Thank you for reading that. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you have sent to enlighten us. Jesus, we want to glorify you with our lives. Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher and guide us into the truth that we would live free to your praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Well, what an incredible story. I love to imagine Peter and John, who were, after all, rather than uh, what we so so used to seeing in the stained glass windows, probably only young teenagers. We sent them out, maybe, to do something else. Uh, I don't know where your teenagers are today. Maybe they have their own special meeting. Uh, But here are Peter and John uneducated, they hadn't even been to school, just fishermen, teenagers, and yet brought before this intimidating bunch of religious leaders, famous sort of threatening people, you know, the, the big mighty people of the, of the locality, and made to give an account of their actions. And they speak with such boldness. Well, there's a clue in the text because it says that they were filled with the Spirit. If we want to be like them, every day as we wake up, we need to be saying and praying, Father, today fill me with your Spirit again because I don't know what I'm going to be facing. So there's a clue right there and then. But I have to ask myself as I read that story again, I mean, what enabled them to be so strong in the spirit. Paul says to the Ephesians, be strong in the Lord. How many of you have daughters here? We have a number of us. We have two, John and I. At the beginning of this year, in February, the uh, Boko Haram terrorists in northern Nigeria kidnapped 110 schoolgirls from their government school in Dachi, northeastern Nigeria. And after some um, deliberations and intense pressure from the government, they, after some weeks, put them in trucks to release them back to their families. All except for one young girl, one 15-year-old girl called Leah, who refused to convert to to, uh, become a Muslim. She said, no, I'm a Christian, and I will continue to be a Christian. Her school friends pleaded with her to just say the Muslim prayer, even if you don't mean it, because then you will be released and be able to go back to your family. And she said, I can't do it. I'm a Christian, and I will stand as a Christian. So she was taken back into captivity and she's been in captivity ever since, 200 plus days. And there have been many of us across the world and in CSW who have been praying for her release. The latest news, I think, is that Boko Haram have said that she is going to be a lifelong slave to them. Slavery, as you know, has been outlawed. And one shudders to think what she is going through. Fifteen years old, and her parents 
are praying and pleading for her release to their government. The rest of us are praying uh, that she will be released quickly. Pressure needs to be brought on the government. If you want to help, one of the ways you can do that is by signing up on the petition that's on the table at the back to um, try to put pressure on governments to to, uh, run for her release. She's been under threat of execution as well. Not an easy thing for her or for her parents to go through. But again, my question is this. How does one 15-year-old girl, vulnerably in the midst of such intimidating anti-godly forces, say, I am a Christian and stand by it? How can we find that sort of strength? Because you and I may never be in those situations, but we may be well in situations which we don't expect where we have to actually stand up for what we believe, maybe at work, maybe among your neighbors, maybe in your locality, and uh, we're faced with difficult decisions. How are we going to find the strength that Paul urges on the Ephesians? Be strong in the Lord. How do we find that? So what I did was I did a little exercise by looking at three of my heroes of faith from the um, Bible narrative, Old Testament and New Testament. And what I discovered, and my three favorite who I'm going to commend to you this morning, are Joshua, Gideon, and Paul. I know they're all men, but I've already told you this is something that young girls can even do, so let's be inclusive here. But Joshua and Gideon and Paul are sort of known in the Bible narrative as strong leaders of their people. How did they do it? What I discovered is that they have three very different contexts, but the same uh, experience of strengthening. Three very different contexts, and probably we have as many different contexts here as we are people sitting here. And yet, they all experience the same thing which strengthened them, and so can we. So this is what I am um, really recommending to you this morning. So let's have a look at Joshua first. Joshua, at the beginning of the book of his name, Joshua... Uh, was in a situation where he was probably in grief. He'd lost his beloved mentor and leader, Moses. Moses had died, and Joshua had looked up to him, spent time with him, and he was in personal grief. Added to that, Joshua had been tasked with taking over leadership and given this huge role of leading this uh, somewhat unruly rabble into the promised land. I wonder whether you're sitting there and whether you can relate to either of those things. That you have um, things which grieve you, sadnesses in your life. And or you're faced with a huge task and you don't know how you're going to be able to do it. Joshua writes this. In that situation, the Lord spoke to him. The Lord said to him, and I'm quoting from Joshua 1, 7 to 9, 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the book. Read it. Do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I believe that those words which were spoken directly into Joshua's heart strengthened him for the task ahead and for the days ahead and to fulfill that task. Let's look at Gideon. Gideon um, was one of those people who was living at a time of national crisis. I don't know whether you read the news and whether you're involved even in the news, but we are certainly in something of a national crisis ourselves. Probably not like Gideon, but it's bad enough if you read the papers. And Gideon was, if you like, um, doing his best to survive and doing quite a good job. He had to make do a bit, but he was surviving. We're not called to survive, friends. We're called to live the abundant life. And in the context that Gideon found himself in, it says again, God spoke directly to him. And this is what God says to him. Hail, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Judges 6. Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Gideon's immediate reaction is this. You got the wrong person. Uh, Did you know who I am and where I come from? I'm not really a mighty warrior. I'm from a family that doesn't count in a tribe that is the smallest. We are insignificant and we're all up against it. We really don't know if we can survive this. In other words, he had incredible low self-image. His identity was all in what he believed about himself and what everyone else had told him. You don't matter. You don't count. What can you do? You're only a small man. And God comes along and his words completely reverse those words that were ringing in Gideon's heart and soul. And he says, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. You are strong. And you know, it's those words spoken into Gideon's heart and spirit that were the beginning and enabled him to take on the task of leading his nation into victory. He won peace for the nation for 40 years because the word of the Lord came to him. Let's have a look at um, Paul going on into the New Testament. I mean, Paul is like the apex of people in the New Testament. He has a dramatic conversion. He's uh, going around evangelizing everyone, seeing thousands of people becoming Christians, planting churches everywhere. He's a mighty man. And yet, his context, interestingly, about strength, when he says to the Ephesians, be strong, his context is not that one of strength and success, if you like. Paul had seen masses of miracles done, and he'd actually prayed for people and seen miracles. But there was one thing which he had prayed and prayed and prayed about and not seen God answer. And you can read about it in 2 Corinthians 12, which is sort of towards 
sort of towards the end of Paul's ministry. It's not right at the beginning like Joshua and Gideon. He's already gone a long way in the Christian life when he's saying, God, I've got this thing which is really weakening, which really holds me back. And he calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what it is. Was it a person who was a bit awkward? Was it a physical condition? We're not sure. People guess. Whatever it is, a thorn in the flesh really takes joy out of life. Um, John and I were in Cyprus um, a week or so ago now, having a walking holiday. Glorious, uh, I recommend it. But um, as we walked along the paths, uh, we couldn't help noticing that Cyprus is covered in quite thorny bushes. And bits of those thorns would break off and lodge in your socks if you weren't careful. And then, instead of enjoying the glorious views and the sun and the sea sparkling, all you could think of was this jolly thorn that had got into your sock. You know the sort of experience. And, uh, I mean, you just have to stop and take it out and look at it and think... That little thing on the end of my finger had spoilt the whole experience. And that was what Paul was going through. Something in his life was spoiling the experience of life. And he prays. And the Lord says something really interesting to him. I'm not going to answer, Paul, and take it away. Because... And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Some of you may know this verse. You really need to commit it to heart. He said to me, he spoke to me in this context of unanswered prayer. He spoke to me and he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Or we might put it this way. The thing that makes you feel weak and most vulnerable is the place where I, God, can showcase my strength. You want to be strong, Paul? Give me your weakness and I will showcase my strength in you. I wonder where you're weak. Uh, And I'm going to finish with a bit of a story personally, if you'll allow me. Because our family has been going through something of an unexpected uh, situation this year. At the beginning of the year, our youngest son and his wife announced that they were expecting their first baby, which is great news, particularly if you're grandparents. I don't know how many grandparents there are here, but um, I absolutely love the whole grandparenting thing. When they went for their 20-week scan, the doctor said to them, unfortunately, it's bad news. Her skull is not forming, and her brain is leaking out of her skull. It's called encephalocele, and um, it looks bad. And the prognosis for your baby is not good. She probably won't be able to see, hear, feed herself, walk, talk. In fact, she will probably have multiple seizures day and night, and she will be someone you'd have to care for 24-7. 
They arrived back with us, and as you can imagine, we were all devastated. When you're devastated, whoever you are, you start praying, don't you? So we prayed together. We prayed and we prayed. And as we prayed, we were aware that one of the things we needed to pray for was peace in our hearts so that like Joshua and Gideon and Paul, we could actually hear what God was saying to us. Because that was the only way we were going to find strength to go forward. Obviously in this situation like this, the medical people offer you a termination immediately for your baby. And that was one of the first decisions that they had to make. You never know when you're going to have to make decisions that seem very big to you. So they went off for a week's holiday to pray and talk together and listen to the Lord's voice. And they came back saying, we believe we've heard the voice of the Lord into our situation and he has said to us that this baby girl is given as a sign of his love. Not as a curse, not a mistake, not as a difficulty, not as a condemnation for life after this, but as a sign of his love. We said, wow, we better start celebrating her life in that case. And that's what we did. So we started to pray together in a completely different way, celebrating her and um, rejoicing in her life because if she's given us a sign of God's love, that's good news. We also prayed for a miracle of healing. Who wouldn't? Uh, we not only prayed ourselves, but we got everyone we knew to, to pray as well. And at New Wine, we know quite a few mighty prayers. So we got more praying. Because the more people you get to pray, you feel the, the stakes go higher, don't you? No? She was born on September the 4th by cesarean section. And they immediately called her Isabella, which means dedicated to God, love, because that is her prophetic destiny. And she had the most enormous and careful seal. So like Paul, God didn't answer our prayer for healing. But his word still stands. And his word is that she's a sign of love. And you know, I can say in the last 11 weeks of her life, that is precisely what we have experienced. We have experienced the love of God for us in her. We have experienced love for each other and a closeness within our family that we, well, it's a new level that we didn't have before. And we have seen others come into her orbit and experience the love of God and love for her and as if she is a blessing. And uh, I also have to say to you that the medical people have been astounding. They have done an incredible operation, which they thought would take months, and she was home within 12 days. She hasn't had a fit yet. I say yet. I mean, she hasn't had a fit, 
she started feeding on her own so that she's lost the tubes. She went through a hearing test and she can hear perfectly. So when um, Simon and Anna, her parents, came to register her, they announced to us that they had registered her. She is now Isabella Love Mira. She has a third name, Mira. And it's a bit of a joke because their surname is Coles too. Mira Coles. Some of you have got it. Because you see, when God doesn't answer a prayer for miraculous healing, it doesn't mean we stop praying for miracles. We just keep praying. We never know when he's going to do miracles. So we're always praying and relying on him. But in the situation that we are, we're listening for his word, his word to us, because that's how we're going to be strong. And that's what I'm really commending to you this morning. Listening for the word of the Lord to you. How will it come? Well, probably first and foremost, it's going to come through reading this, which is acknowledged by everyone down the centuries as the word of God. But as you pray, listen for the Lord speaking to you. Calm your hearts, find peace in your hearts so you can hear the voice of the Lord who will come through your senses, through your memory, through the circumstances of your life. And if it is a sense, I've always found it's helpful to um, talk to someone who I really respect and um, associate with in the Christian world and say, I think God has said this to me, what do you think? And let them reflect back to me. Yes, that sounds like the voice of the Lord. Let's pray together. Maybe it comes through a dream. I've had dreams when God has spoken to me and strengthened me so much that I've been able to face really hard things. Maybe it comes through someone else. You know, other people can hear from God and give you a word. I mean, it's just called prophecy. That's all it is. The prophetic word of God through someone else. And if that has witness in your spirit and your soul, then pray on it and say, Lord, is this really a word from you? I receive it and I'm going to stand in it and go in it because that's what the prophetic word is all about, strengthening you. So I'm going to finish now, but what I would like you to do is this. In these last couple of minutes as we just... Uh, draw to a close or this bit as you sit where you are I just want you to have a couple of minutes in silence asking the Holy Spirit to remind you of times in your past when he has spoken to you it may be you're not aware of the Lord speaking to you or maybe the Lord needs to remind you of times he has spoken to you Because I find I can forget and then go on as if I'm just surviving. And the word of the Lord strengthens us. And as I remember it, it often strengthens my spirit. Maybe you've never been conscious of the Lord speaking to you. Well, ask the Holy Spirit to start speaking to you now. You never know when you might need that word for today, for this week, for the next month, for the next year. 
So here's just a brief moment in your busy lives when in the silence you can ask the Holy Spirit to come and remind us, Holy Spirit, what you have spoken to us personally.